Hey, welcome, welcome again. This is Carlos. I'm with Brian. Hey, Brian, what's up? Hey, Carlos. Hey, this topic here today is four quadrants of operant conditioning. Now, before we get there, talk about what this podcast is about. I know we talked about it before, but it's very important for people to understand what we're trying to accomplish here before we go into the subject. Yeah, we are your podcast resource for successfully working with your dog. We're here to help you sift through the wrong and ridiculous information out there, and there's a lot. We're going to help you understand your dogs and how to effectively work with your dog's nature, not against it. In short, we're here to help you learn how to speak dog. Yeah, and that's important, and this subject is very, very uh, crucial. Uh, yeah, crit crucial, critical, and it relates a lot to what we mean by we try to sift through other ridiculous stuff out there. We've been asked to touch upon this subject. It is a big subject. It is a, it can be controversial, but if you've heard of the four quadrants of operant conditioning, you know what we mean. But for the lay person, what we're trying to basically is break down and sort and explain is the whole idea of positive versus negative reinforcement and punishment. Yeah, and these these four quadrants were were um, brought into being by a psychologist named B.F. Skinner. I th I want to say in the 30s or or, or 40s, um, and he talks about classical conditioning versus versus operant conditioning. And a lot of trainers out there um, have shifted to positive reinforcement only. Uh, and so we're going to get into that and the reasons why and why we think that's not effect an effective way to work with dogs. So yeah, and and if you're like me. You hear the words quadrant, operant, conditioning. I feel like I'm in like middle school, high school, in a science, math, and biology class all combined, and I'm overwhelmed, which means <laughs> that I'm probably not going to retain what follows after all this stuff because it's too high. It's too high level, or the words are just unnecessarily unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting way to uh, to to think about it because. What we're trying to teach our, our clients and you, the listeners, is to to think like a dog. I don't mean be a dog, but but try to work as a dog works, how they, how they work with each other. And dogs do not go to classrooms. They do not carry around clipboards. They don't strive for a whole bunch of letters behind their names. They don't wear lab coats. They just grow they w interact yeah. with each other they interact with us they just you know learn on a on a daily basis but they learn from each other not from not from us or or going to school so i think that's a that's an interesting way for you to for you to put it there is don't code it with all these words and these terms and all this yeah. and stuff just go and do it see how dogs work with each other so good point yeah, yeah. I'm going to attempt to try to simplify this, and then, Brian, you can expand upon it. Sure. But, but for me, there really is no kind of behavior training, modification, if you will. There really is no other technique other than the ones that dogs use on each other. Okay, so right. just think, think about that. I mean, let's, let's think about it in two layers, right? So this is, this is where I think the confusion comes in. Dog has a behavioral problem. People go on the internet and immediately get confused by these so-called experts, images, illustrations, psychologists, physiologists, whatever. And then they get lost. And then they go, well, when I read this, I don't want to be mean. And I don't want to do something negative or bad or scary or harmful. So I'm going to just, I'm going to just gravitate towards this one thing that looks pleasant which is positive reinforcement. So 
what happens is I think people try and apply this for everything from yeah. puppyhood on to adulthood to try to deal with aggression, to try to deal with boundary setting. I think there's big confusion because the animals don't really operate this way. The dogs don't operate this. I have a cat now. I realize the cat doesn't operate this way either. It's just not natural. But what I will say to attempt to try to simplify this, and Brian, you can take over after this, is before we get into all these quadrants of conditioning, which one to use, which ones to not use, what's effective, what's not effective, make sure you're at least fulfilling your dog's basic needs before you even attempt to go and try to apply some of these things. So what I mean by that is if you're not walking your dog, if you're not getting exercise, um, if you're overfeeding them, underfeeding them, I mean, if their basic needs aren't met, this stuff won't work anyway. A lot of times people have the wrong dog for their, for their, for their lifestyle, right. maybe too, too high energy, and they get frustrated and then they try to apply these techniques. Well, your dog that hasn't been exercised and you take it out, it hasn't been socialized and you take it out to a dog park. And it's just running amok, causing people to be uncomfortable and being disrespectful to other dogs, impolite. You bringing in positive reinforcement is not going to mean squat. Because you've not met the other basic fundamental needs of, for example, burning energy, having a structured exercise activity session, boundary setting in the house, socializing. You haven't exposed the dog to these basic things. So you're coming in here with a treat bag. And saying, well, now I'm going to use positive reinforcement to teach my dog not to jump on this dog, teach my dog not to jump on this person. I think it's a, it's a useless uphill battle. So before we get into operant conditions, I do want to remind people, please fulfill your dog's basic, basic, basic needs. Exercise, obviously feeding it correctly, and uh, uh, obviously providing shelter and those basic things, Brian, right? Socialization. With- Definitely. And then, and then if you have an issue that is uh, challenging, my dog jumps, my dog pulls, uh, my dog's aggressive, then start to consider, I would say, a technique. And then Brian can take over from there. But I think it's important that people understand that you can't just take a technique, positive punishment, negative punishment, positive reinforcement, negative, whatever, and just apply to everything because you're frustrated and your dog is out of control. Please find out what's happening first. And then try and develop a strategy. Yeah, Yeah, and that's a good point. I'm glad you used the word develop because it's not something that you can just read a couple articles online, even though most of these people, these ridiculous people, they agree. So they tend to steer everyone to do this positive reinforcement stuff. You can't just read a couple articles online and then just go ahead and and do it and think you're going to get results. But absolutely, I agree with you a thousand percent on this, Carlos, is got to exercise your dog first. And this is something that that I harp on with my clients all the time is not going to get the best version of your dog. You're not going to get the best behavior of your dog if you're not exercising him. So go and drain that energy. You're going to have a much, much higher uh, degree of success with your dog's training afterwards. So yeah. make sure you're you're draining your, your dog's energy, socializing him. If that's the issue, you know, that you're trying to work with, understandable. But, you know, it's really important to to meet your dog's needs before trying to do this stuff. And and then the other thing that I want to comment on real briefly here is uh, once again, ran into an issue where uh, people got the, a dog that was not right for them. Um, they adopted a, a German shepherd, a high drive, you know, high, high energy dog. And he started growling at them when he was at his food bowl. He didn't do that in the adopter in the foster parents home before these people got him. And he didn't do that with the foster 
after they took him back. It was it was them. They were too soft, however you want to put it. They were too soft for this dog. They needed to be firmer with him. They needed yeah. to, to engage him more. They needed to show him more leadership. But one of the things they needed to provide for him was a more um, – a stronger sense of, of his role in the household pack. So they needed to be firmer with him, more more dominant, and provide more leadership with him, and they, and they weren't doing that. So that's that's where a lot of these issues come from, is okay. people think that positive reinforcement is going to work for everything when it only works for some things, and it works for even fewer things if you're a soft person or if you're softer than, than your dog is. Um, so, yeah, so, well, and that's where I would stop you and say, and play devil's advocate. Yep. And say, well, in that situation, Brian, you should have gotten your treat bag or whatever reward uh, method the dog prefers and introduced the feeding ritual as a positive experience by feeding the dog only when it was, I don't know, I guess calm or not growling. And then eventually the dog will see you as a source of food. And and non threatening. See, it's even hard for me to like play devil's advocate with these. <laughs> no, no, things. no. I see, I see what you're saying, and and this is something that that I've dealt with with several clients recently. So they have a problem with resource guarding with the with the dog, and the and so that's the first thing I do is start off is got to claim the food first, and then show him that he does not get to growl, he doesn't get to misbehave when not only I have the food in my hand, but when I put it down for him. And when I walk away to come back, and this is the problem that people run into is you start off with something and it's yours and then you give it to him. And then why does he think that you're in charge is because you've, you've given him treats for not growling at you. And we've seen videos of this and these people take forever to make the slightest bit of progress with this dog. Whereas you put a little positive punishment into it and we'll get in get into that but positive punishment means adding something to try to reduce the outcome the the dog growling you put a little positive punishment into it meaning energy body language sound and touch so maybe you approach your dog in a, in a, yeah. a confident manner you use a sharp sound you know snap your fingers or an ot sound or use a touch if you need to you're getting the results quick you're showing the dog in terms that he understands because this is what dogs do with each other and you're nipping the problem in the bud right away. Yeah. Now, if these people think that, well, that's mean, I don't, I don't want to do that. That makes me feel bad. Okay, fine. They can go ahead and put their emotions into their training with their dog and they can be very, very unsuccessful unsuccess or they can take a year to get, you know, solved in uh, what we could do in, in a number of, uh, number of hours or even, even minutes. So yeah, that's the, that's the problem we run into. Go ahead, Carlos. No, wow. I just have to, I just thought of this and for me, it's just, people have to get over this and I hate to, I hate to be sound so harsh, no, but ahead. it's, it's basically this because I can feel what people that right. maybe aren't used to hearing this are already feeling. Well, I don't want to add punishment because I don't want to get bit. <laughs> well, you, you, you and I laugh because it's like, well, yeah, you own a dog. You, that might happen right. uh, from time to time, um, especially because the dog has, the capability more so than a cat, more so than a, you know, a rabbit or a hamster or, <laughs> or, a, per, or a person. And so right off the bat, you know, yeah. people need to understand working with a dog is not the same as working with a person. But if you apply only human psychology to working with a dog, yeah. you're not going to be as successful as you could be. Yeah. I, I don't want to get, let me just make this clear. I don't, yeah, want, yeah. I don't want to get bit. 
I don't think anybody wants to get bit, but you do have to, and I say you don't have, I say this, if you want to get to the point where you, you're, you're at peace with yourself and your dog training methods and you're not having this, this uh, irrational fear and emotion, you do have to get to a point where you, I think, Brian, you accept a little bit of risk. You're like, risk. you know what, I may get bit, but in the long run, I'm going to resolve this issue because I, because by the way decreasing bad behavior is healthy of course all right I, you know people say oh positive punishment well well i'm adding a sound or a touch or a leash correction to decrease the behavior of what impolite gesturing impolite manners maybe the dog is pulling and maybe the dog doesn't know how to uh, socialize with another dog or a person you're decreasing the behavior by your timing, and that's not a bad thing, right? But could you get bit in that scenario? As a, like what happens with us, us sometimes, Brian, the dogs have redirected aggression. Sure. Probably. Yeah, ab- absolutely. But like you said, you have to accept that risk, yeah. and and in doing so, you become confident, and that's a major component yeah. in working with dogs is confidence. And and you know, I see this every week with uh, with new clients. Um, real quick, while we're on this this yeah. subject. Positive punishment. I read this article that I thought was going to be pretty, uh, pretty informative, but then again, it, it skewed towards you know uh, punishment is is bad. But they, you know, this article is mainly referring to uh, to uh, the four quadrants with regards to working with humans and not and not dogs. But it says, um, you know, the punishment doesn't necessarily stop when we p- become adults. So examples in the workplace: a, yeah. ver- a verbal scolding from your boss. That's positive punishment. Being assigned extra work when you break the rules or behave in an unprofessional manner, that's positive punishment. Being assigned tasks no one wants to do because you don't get your work in on time, that's positive punishment. Receiving an official warning for calling sick way too often, that's positive punishment. But these these positive reinforcement only trainers only think that uh, positive punishment is um, – uh, is is the extreme only spanking, shouting, or cutting off air yeah. supply through a choke chain? They go right to the extreme, and then they talk about the things that they like in the softest of ways. So it's very it's very unfair. It's completely biased, but most importantly, it's not effective when working with your dogs to to think that that's the only way to wow. to get resolution. I would argue that it's not effective. And it's not natural. Imagine so so they would say that if you're late to work, positive reinforcement would be only provide praise when you're not late to work <laughs> right yeah there's no negative consequence for not being late to work so because if you care about getting praise then yeah why not show up late and get some extra sleep well yeah let's not let's not add consequence that's maybe uh um mean or threatening let's only uh validate when they're doing what they're supposed to be anyway you get you get what i'm talking about it just gets really really ridiculous and that's why we're trying to uh, sort sort through this stuff and, and so, I, so let's yeah. let's back up a bit because this has been a long preamble. So Skinner's quadrants, operant conditioning quadrants are um, positive punishment, positive re- reinforcement, negative punishment, negative reinforcement. And so to decrease behavior, um, you can add positive punishment or you can remove negative punishment, which is positive punishment. Like you said, someone someone's scolding you at work or you scolding your dog um, to remove um, uh, a negative negative punishment as a way of decreasing uh, behavior is you un 
uh, release some of the workload because uh, someone did something right. Okay, and then positive reinforcement and uh, and negative reinforcement. Right. Uh, increase behavior. So something does something good, you give them a pat on the back, you give them a, a bonus at work, dog does something good, you give him right. praise, give him a treat, whatever. Negative reinforcement is you take something negative away from him. So if he wasn't allowed to to get to you because he was barking and you you know you take down the gate, then he can get to you, that's negative reinforcement. So this is what we're talking about. But and and dogs work with all four quadrants, but they don't think about it. They don't go to school to study it. They don't wear lab coats. They don't you know, get a whole bunch of letters behind their name. They just exist. They do their, their thing, but they use all four quadrants. So I always come back to why would we think that using only one quadrant or primarily one quadrant that makes us feel soft and friendly? Why would we think that that's the best way to work with dogs when dogs don't even, you know, work that way with each other? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I went back and we talked about this in another podcast. I think it ha- it might have to do with with marketing. They're marketing themselves. They're trying to sell a product. Sure. In that case, you want to be accepted universally. So you do the easiest, most passive thing, which is to say, I am for this most easy, friendly, uh, and acceptable technique, I guess you can say. Because, well, it looks pleasant. The pictures right. are pleasant, but nobody really gets into the downsides of positive only reinforcement. And, and and people people seem to think that no one can label positive reinforcement as harmful. And I think that's that's also another uh, yeah. another important part of this is I don't want to look like I'm you know yelling at my dog or abusing my dog or hurting my dog or whatever. And no one can ever you know shame me into that. And we've talked about that before. Is is all the shaming that's going on and yeah. In, uh, in America these days. So people take the, not the path of least resistance as far as work goes, but the path that will cause them the least resistance verbally from others is no one is going to get on their case. No one's going to shame them for using positive yeah. enforcement. Whereas Carlos and I look at this as it's not effective and it's not natural to do positive reinforcement only with dogs, period. So that's our that's our starting rant on this. Do you want to get into some of the specifics of some of the articles that uh, that we've been looking at here? Well, there's so many, and and people <laughs> yes. people have biases, you know. So I don't I don't know because because I don't want to get down in the weed. I get a little bit too too frustrated with this stuff because, like I said, it reminds me of being in in grade school and being frustrated and overwhelmed. But I would just add I would just add that 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 if you want to use these techniques, consider what you're trying to accomplish, right? And the and the level of of challenge, right? If you're trying to if you're trying to get your dog to sit, uh, for whatever reason, maybe they're a puppy, maybe you just want to condition them to understand what uh, sit, stay, or heal, or come, or recall. Then yeah, I, I think I think it's good to to get the brain engaged with treats and toys that way, especially if they have no experience with that kind of those kind of commands. As you get into uh, uh, what I would say more intense uh, misbehavior, unwanted behavior that could possibly cause you issues later, whether your dog may bite, may may knock someone over by jumping, then you have to consider uh, decreasing a behavior with with the I think what I would say was with with more intensity, right? Because because we've talked about this before, Brian. If a dog is is insecure jumping at a person at, at your doorway at your entryway 
no amount of treats is gonna nope it's gonna convince them to to look away and choose the treat over investigating a potential um, threat at the door that they don't know what's you know who it is and what their intentions are right so so consider what you're trying to accomplish but for most of the clients that call us that call you Brian the positive reinforcement stuff is is already already been tried right has been unsuccessful and so you really only have a few methods left um and punish positive punishment is one of those that's very very effective and natural uh, for the dog that's the only thing i would add to that go ahead and and i'm glad you mentioned that because in trying to get a dog just to simply sit every day i haven't met a dog who does not know how to sit a a physically sound dog who doesn't know how to fit it doesn't know how to sit um now a dog sitting because you said the word sit, that's a different story. That's making an association. You can call it whatever conditioning you want. Again, human words don't matter. The first thing that I do when people tell me that their dog doesn't know how to sit or won't sit for them is I'll just walk up to the dog, you know, slowly but confidently with dominant energy, communicating non-verbally to the dog I'm being dominant. You need to show submission. Okay. I'm not angry. I'm not putting emotions into it. None of that nonsense. Walk up to the dog, be dominant to him and communicate that to him. And then I'd say easily 95% of the time I get to get a dog who sits in response. That's not meant as a, as any kind of boast or brag. That's, this is how dogs work with each other. Dominance equals submission. Submission equals either moving away or sitting or laying, laying down, turning sideways, rolling over on the belly. Yeah. With it, with the ears back, there's all sorts of postures, but one of the simplest ways for a dog to show submission to another creature, whether it's dog or, or person is simply to sit. So it can be a completely nonverbal communication in order to do it, but walking towards a dog with dominant energy, that's positive punishment, technically speaking. So, you know, I, I wonder what some of these people would, would think about that. that. That's actually punishment. Do they feel bad doing that? Well, maybe some of them would say no. And then I'd say, well, where do you draw the line on what, what punishment is and what punishment yeah. isn't, what you feel, what you feel comfortable with? Yeah, and you so being what, yeah you being intimidating is adding what they would say is an unnecessary threat that that could cause you to get bit. You know, that's where I that's where I would I would think that that uh, that, that 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 their logic would come in. Yeah, well, and and we don't, don't want to we don't want to challenge a dog, right? And of course, they would use a word like intimidating. Yes. And, and and you know punishment not the not the technical term all these stuff but either either way and Carlos and I go back to this a lot over our, yeah. our series of podcasts is people put emotion into their training with their dogs and that's not the right way to do it because that's not how dogs work with each other and that's not the 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 most efficient the clearest path for success and we're never saying that you can't be happy with your dog or you don't get frustrated with your dog sometimes but you're not likely to have successful training with your dog when you're using emotion and if you have too much emotion in your relationship with your dog and he has he has behavioral issues you're probably not gonna be successful in that because you're not uh, starting your relationship you're not focusing your relationship the majority of your relationship with your dog is not on non-emotional leadership it's not reminding your dog remember i'm in charge you have a great life but i'm still in still in charge they always start with with emotion and so one of these articles that i yeah that i yeah i printed out um 
by the crossover trainer. Uh, she doesn't give her name. All Positive Dog Training LLC is written in 2014. Starts her article, labels it Skinner's Quadrants Series, and then talks about what she thinks of this, not what it is. And so she starts with the four quadrants. Let's yeah. start with my least favorite, positive punishment. And so she she puts she puts an emotion into it, yeah. an opinion into it, without explaining you know what it what it could do for a dog and it, it's these kind of things that that just are really unfair to to people they read this stuff and they think okay 75 percent of this of, of what some people do is bad therefore i don't want to be that because people are calling it bad so i don't you know i don't want to be known as one of those people so i'm going to do what everyone agrees with again to avoid shaming i think yeah uh, absolutely well let me add one thing too yeah, yeah, go ahead because you you had a good example, and I, I want I want to um, I want to I guess the word is round out or flesh out <clears throat> the idea or the picture of the of, of the image you gave us, where you're saying you don't have an emotion but you approach the dog with a sort of dominant energy, and you can get a dog to sit, uh, submit in some way or shape or form to show respect. But likewise, I've seen you do this, and I do the same thing. When they do. When they do show us respect, submission, we will add praise. Of course, because we are uh, balanced in that way. So it's not just, hey, you know, do this one thing at an intense, um, uh, you know, uh, style over and over and over again. We're saying, hey, no, we're gonna we're gonna add what we think is important for the health of this dog once we met its basic needs, exercise, food, we're going to uh, add boundaries and adding boundaries and show, having the dog show us respect is a form of it being stable and feeling safe. So we will want to early on uh, apply this sense of assertiveness over the dog so that the dog is looking to us. But we're, we're not saying that, hey, constantly be overbearing. No, of course we're not. very fair and balanced. And I've seen you do this as soon as the dog shows shows respect uh, and acknowledges you as leader, whatever that good boy, good dog, you know, treats, then we will add positive. So there is a, there is a place for it, but to say that it can fix every situation, which I've actually heard Victoria Stilwell say in one of her seminars, I think is we can chalk it up as one of the ridiculous things out there that people should be wary of. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And adding on to what you said there, um, with with reinforcement, just like punishment, there are varying degrees of it. So reinforcement can be as simple as being pleased with your dog, sharing positive energy yep. with your dog. You could, you know, look up the the different chemicals that happen in our body when we're pleased, when we smile, and you know, we are essentially sharing positive energy with our dog. It can be good boy. It can be good boy. It can be. A pat on the pat on the head. It can be yep. a really, you know, rough and scratching of the ears and and wiggling and and yep. all sorts of all sorts of rough uh, rough play, rough patting with your dog. Uh, it can be treats. It can be a steak. So there are varying degrees of both positive, uh, both punishment and reinforcement. Yeah, these people only talk about punishment as being the harsh physical things that 
they that they that they say are are bad and should never be done, even though dogs correct each other with their teeth sometimes, uh, and they see that reinforcement is only the good, happy stuff that makes them you know think of rainbows and skittles all day long. And again, if you want to live like that, that's fine. You probably shouldn't have a career working with dogs, and you certainly shouldn't be yeah. telling us or other people how to how to work with dogs. But it, you know, please please pay attention to uh, to what to what's out there. Yeah, and then you have then you have a client recently, Brian, that admitted to you that uh, I guess their situation with their dog was getting worse because they did a lot of research online and when we're getting confused and unsure and insecure about what the right techniques were, and so that causes yeah, a lot of frustration right. with people. And then what ends up happening is instead of decreasing bad behavior. You get you you don't decrease the bad behavior with it the dog, works. and and you increase the frustration with the owners. And what ends up happening a lot of times, and by the way, this is the big picture stuff we're talking about. What happens a lot of the time is people give up. Okay, they just give up. Whether that means let the behavior go, and someone gets nailed at some point down the line, right? In, in a legal sense, or in a physical sense, someone gets bitten or tagged, or they surrender their dog, or they get. This is what we're trying to avoid, which is why we're trying to bring some clarity to these techniques so people don't just go oh bad good and uh or indifferent or shameful and oh positive means good in this case positive doesn't mean positive you know right so that's the one thing people get confused about as well yeah negative yeah, po- doesn't mean negative yeah right right Pos- positive in these four quadrants means adding negative means removing okay right. so you know people people don't seem to understand so so it can be a little confusing but like i said if you put the terms to it too much you're putting on your lab coat you've got your glasses your your safety goggles on and your pocket protector and you're getting way too much in the weeds and you're not yeah. going to be able to see the force for the trees just yeah. think of how dogs work with each other, what's yeah. the most effective way I can work with my dog, and what gets results? How do dogs do this with with each other? And I'm glad you brought up that example. I totally forgot about them, even though I just worked about uh, with them yeah. the other day. This this young couple um, with, with two very young kids and another on, along the way, they were worried that their dog, who was kind of nipping at them and nipping at their, their daughter's clothes and chasing them around and eating their, um, the, the daughter's toys, um, was going to, you know, the behavior was getting worse. And they'd only had the dog for three weeks. They thought it was going to be a real problem when they had their, their baby in a, in yeah. a few months. And, you know, the lady sounded, sounded pretty reasonable on the, on the phone, but she, she was definitely insecure. And she, and she told me she's worried. She's concerned about this behavior. Um, it was a puppy, probably about 12, 14 yeah. weeks old. Okay. So not, you know, not anything that, uh, uh, that he had sunk his teeth into anyone or drawn blood or, you know, been to, uh, the animal control, nothing like that. And also he was a small terrier mix. So fairly easy for most people to, um, to work with and, and, yeah. and to not be afraid of, but she had read so much bad information online. And yep. the second I get there, he greets me, you know, very politely, very quietly with all four, four feet, um, on the ground. And, uh, we started talking for a few minutes and he didn't give me any sign that he was going to be the slightest bit disrespectful. And then she sat down on, on the couch a few minutes later, he jumped up on her and she moved away and did something cause she was filling out some, some paperwork. Yeah. And, th- and that was it. That was the start of it. And I, I said, let him do that again. So he did that. And all I did was just snap my fingers sharply and yep. he stopped, he put his ears back, he backed away and sat down. And then 
I kind of looked at him. I said, is, is that all you needed? Because it's that simple. And it really is. So I added positive punishment of strong energy and a sharp verbal correction. And that was it. And we well, had and this timing call. too and timing too. Nobody talks yeah. about that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You, you're, you're an expert on, on that. And we, we should, we should do another podcast on that, but we yeah. had the dog, um, you know, interacting with the kids and not touching their toys anymore, just in a matter of minutes. We had the dog outside. They hadn't socialized it with, um, with any dog. So I had, you know, I brought Vivian out of the truck and he did great. All he needed to know was where's my place in the household pack? Do I get to do this or not? Yeah. And just so uncertain about what to do because of all the nonsense that's online. And the husband was an MMA trainer. So wow. this guy wasn't concerned about anything, but he just didn't know how to be a leader in charge of a, a dog. It's kind of funny to, to, you know, to see a guy concerned and unsure about this tiny little, uh, tiny little puppy. But that was, that was a really, really good, uh, good appointment. I think both for both of them and me, I, I enjoyed working with them in an hour and a half. We got everything addressed that uh, that they wanted to so yeah, I, and, it, and it, it's always good to see people um uh call call early on when they have right. concerns instead of waiting for the dog to get older and then have having to be a little bit more challenging so that's good yeah so that was the, you know that's a, that's the best recent example that uh, um that i can give on that um so what what do you want to discuss next on this well i think that's it man i think that's uh, th- this is where where we as 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 leaders in the field here of, of dog uh, behavior modification, this is where we have to be careful because the more we talk about it, the more we validate this stuff. I think the more information gets out there and can confuse people, you know, yeah, that but, could be. but, but for me, I'd like to just remind people like it's very, it's it, like Brian said, think, think of it, think of nature, right? So, and think about what I said early on in the beginning of the podcast. Once you fulfill a dog's basic needs, and by the way, these things are uh, unquestionably uh, needed. They're not, you know, people say, well, I, I can't get out as much in my, and you know, I have to go to work, find a dog walker. You do need to get yeah. your dog exercise. I know some people say, well, my dog is older. Okay, whatever. My dog gets hot. Okay. Or doesn't doesn't like the rain. Yeah, okay. Once you fulfill the basic needs, really the only thing you really need to worry about is adding a correction in the form of a touch or a sound or if they're on leash which means positive punishment introducing a uh uh leash correction yeah a correction that is unlikes to get the dog's attention to decrease behavior and then positive reinforcement really i mean you know i don't know brian unless you have another example where people need to concern themselves all four quadrants no, I mean that's that's an interesting point. And a couple of these articles that I that I read admit that in negative reinforcement um, is is removing something that a dog that a dog um, doesn't like. Um, they they say, well, well, you have to start with something that a dog doesn't like in order to remove it. So they actually say they admit that they have to use positive punishment in order to get to the point where they can remove something. So in the example they keep giving again, they go to the extreme of you use a shock collar and you, you zap the dog until it stops barking. And then, <laughs> and then it's negative reinforcement when you stop zapping the dog. And I'm like, okay, but you use positive punishment in order to prove your point. Yeah. So you're using something that you hate, something you disagree with in order to prove your point. What's wrong with these people? So yeah, I, yeah negative, negative uh, reinforcement. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's, if it's so, 
um, so widespread in, in the animal world, but positive punishment definitely exists with, uh, um, with dogs and they do reinforce each other. Just think of a, of a mama dog with some pups. And there's one at the SPCA right now that that's awesome to see them grow up. The pups are climbing on the mom and she'll put up with it until she's had it. And then she'll, you know, growl at them or snap at them or, or even put a tooth on them. And they will stop doing it. They'll give her space and get off of, get off of her. But it doesn't mean that, that she has broken the bond with them or anything, but they respond to that. And that is positive punishment. So why, why would we think that not doing that is a better way to work with dogs? Yeah. It's it's arrogant sometimes to go against nature. And, and Caesar, I remember one of the first things he said in his book too, is, you know, you don't want to go against nature. Right. Um, It really is a losing battle every time. So that leaves the the only thing left really is negative punishment. Is that pretty much what the Victoria Steel Wolves of the world do? Basically, dog jumps on you, turn your back. Is that what we're talking about here? Well, I mean that that's one of the things that uh, that that she talks about all the time. Um, again, maybe it is effective, but it takes so long to to get a re- the result that you want by turning away, by removing yourself from the from the dog as a, as a form of, of, of punishment. So I guess that's the, the negative punishment aspect aspect of it. Um, versus if you just step forward and correct the dog with energy, yeah. body language, sound and touch to say, don't do that. You're going to get a quick result or the dog might challenge you in which case, yeah, you've got, you've got some more work to do and you've got a harder dog or you need to be more assertive yeah. and, and more dominant with your dog to begin with, which I would rather know at the beginning than find out after seven years, Oh, my dog turned and bit me on the hand because I never challenged him before. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of people out there who think just, just take the good thing away and your dog will stop. He may, but he won't stop very quickly. He's going to keep barking. He's going to keep jumping until he maybe gets bored or exhausted. Yeah. Where I'd and rather is, teach him. Yeah, and it's just not very practical, too. Go ahead, sir. No, it's not. No, I was just going to say, I'd, I'd rather teach the dog myself very clearly, don't do this, rather than, okay, I'm going to stand over here quietly and not say anything and not do anything, and I hope you learn not to do that behavior, because it could be any number of things that we don't want him to do. So, so it's, it's a slow way of working with the dog. So can we wrap this up and say, yeah, absolutely. nine times out of ten, as long as we're fulfilling the dog's basic needs... When there's when there's a boundary that's been crossed or correction that's needed, we do positive punishment and we follow it by positive reinforcement. Can we say that? I guess to kind of keep things in a nice little box without confusing people. Yeah, I think I think that's that's probably that's probably very accurate. It's kind of a strange way to to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we're talking about not ninety, not nine times out of ten, ninety percent of our relationships with our dogs. We're talking about nine times out of ten when our dog is misbehaving, which yes. is a fraction of our lives with our dogs. Yes, we have to step up and correct behavior. It's not most of our relationship with our dogs. It's just a small percentage of the time. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It, it's how they work with each other. It's very effective. It's very efficient. It's nature, and it it, it just makes sense. So. Yeah. And hopefully that helps people see the, the, what it is that they're trying to talk about and not to get caught up in, in these quadrants. And, and, and I, again, I think a lot of it is just nerds, you know, going out there and saying, oh, look, so-and-so discovered this, so-and-so came up with this method. People right. love to latch onto these things and sound smart. But at the end of the day, we can't be arrogant enough to, to think that we can apply human psychology onto a dog that already kind of already knows what's, what it wants, what it needs, what it doesn't like. It already kind of has its built-in purpose in life, right? We just have to kind of go with nature. 
And yeah. that's why I say, you know, get the basic exercise stuff done, the structure, the routine, the feeding. And then if there is a situation where you need to educate your dog, then provide um, the, the, the very good, quick, efficient, positive punishment correction followed by punish, uh, positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So. All right. Well, thank you uh, very much for listening, everyone. We appreciate yep. it. So uh, give us a thumbs up, but like us on uh, you know the podcast and the Facebook. Please write a review. Those are very important to us. Yep. Um, you can even give us a review on Yelp or Google or Angie's List and like and comment uh, on Facebook and our YouTube videos, videos as well. If you guys have any questions about dog behavior, your specific dogs, we're now taking um, uh, call-ins, people who want to do a phone consult with us. We'll record it and do as opposed to uh, post it as a podcast like we did with Brittany and her, her dog Wallace yep. a couple of weeks ago. Um, and if you also have suggestions for topics that you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to contact us. Uh, you can email me directly at brian at gooddogworkshop.com or call us at 703-489-1319. Again, this has been Brian and Carlos with Good Dog Workshop. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much for listening. Thank you.